0: We hope you're enjoying the Mutual Audio Network. Stick around, there's much more to come. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended.
1: By the flow of the inland river, whence the fleets of iron have fled, Where the blades of the grave grass quiver, asleep are the ranks of the dead, under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day. Under the one, the blue,
2: under the other, the gray.
3: Chatterbox, Audio Theater presents Dead and Gone, a Southern retelling of James Joyce's The Dead. Memphis, 1905.
4: weren't going to turn up.
5: (laughs) I'll wager they did, Lily. But what Aunt Kate and Aunt Julie forget is that my wife here takes three living hours to get herself dressed.
6: Hello, Mrs. Conroy. You look so beautiful. Come in. Hello, Lily. Thank you very much.
5: Cold night out there, Lily. Cold and wet.
4: Miss Kate, Miss Julie. Mr. and Mrs. Conroy here. Who's that, Lily? Mr. and Mrs. Conroy. Oh,
7: Kate. Kate, Margaret, and Gabriel
5: are here. We'll be right down. <laughs> They'll be right down. Oh, splendid. Oh, God. Look at this mess on my galoshes. Let me see if I can't...
8: oh, oh hello, Margaret, dear. Oh, why, just look at you. Hello,
7: Aunt Kate. <laughs> come in, Margaret, come in. My lands, isn't that a beautiful dress? Hello, Aunt Julie. So sorry we're late. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. We were just a little worried, that's all.
8: But where's Gabriel? Isn't he with you?
5: Oh, here I am, right as rain, Aunt Kate. <laughs> just trying to get some of this mud off my galoshes. <laughs> Why don't you two take Margaret on up? I'll be I'll be right behind you.
8: All right, Gabriel, but don't take too long.
7: <laughs> Come on up now, Margaret. Some of the most interesting people are here. Do you know Arthur Crandall, the tenor? I'll get him to sing later on. Oh, Memphis is raving about him. Lovely voice.
1: Lovely
4: voice. Is it snowing bad, Miss Conroy?
5: Yes, Lily, it is. I, I think we're in for a night of it. So, tell me, Lily, are you... Are you still in school?
9: Oh, no, sir. Oh. I finished school more than a year ago.
5: Oh, really? Well, then I suppose we'll be going to your wedding one of these days with your young man.
1: No, sir.
5: No? Uh, why not?
4: Men nowadays, is only all sweet-talking what they can get
10: out of you. Oh.
5: oh. Um. Uh, uh, I, I am leaving my galoshes here by the door, Lily. Uh, please... Don't let me forget them on my way out. Oh, uh, Lily. Uh, uh, come here. Uh, uh, give me your hand. Uh, it's it's Christmas time, isn't it? Just, uh, well, uh, here's a little something.
9: Oh, oh, no. Mr. Conroy, I saw I couldn't. Well, Christmas time. Well, Christmas time. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Conroy.
5: And so tonight I echo, tonight I choose to echo the words of the great Robert Browning... Oh, for God's sake, Gabriel. You only make yourself look like a knob by quoting poetry that they don't understand. Browning? No, no, no. It's it's all wrong. The the tone is wrong. The the whole damn thing is a mistake from beginning to end, a, a complete failure.
6: Can you believe it? Chained up right in the middle of the park. We've promised to bring the children over to see it. Tom is beside himself. Oh, there you are, Gabriel.
5: Here I am.
8: Margaret tells us you're not taking a cab back to Collierville tonight, Gabriel. Uh,
5: Oh No, we learned our lesson last year, didn't we, darling? Don't you remember, Aunt Kate, what a cold Margaret came down with? Cab windows rattling all the way, the wind blowing in. What a miserable odyssey that was. Margaret was sick for a week.
8: Heaven knows, Gabriel. You can't be too careful. Well,
5: I can't, and that's the truth. As for Maggie there, why well, she'd walk home barefoot in the snow if I let her. <laughs> Wouldn't you, darling?
6: <laughs> Don't mind him, Aunt Kate. He's been a real pain in the neck lately. What with green shades for Tom's eyes at oh, night, oh, and, and making him ride around town on a bicycle. Oh, really? <laughs> oh and forcing Eva to eat cabbage. Nearly every... Every day, poor child, she hates the sight of it. Oh, you'll never guess what he makes me wear now. (laughs) What is it, Margaret? Yes, yes, you can tell us. Galoshes. That's the latest. Whenever it's wet outside, I just have to put on my galoshes. Well, tonight even he wanted me to wear them, but I wouldn't stand for it. Lord, the next thing he'll buy me will be a diving suit. (laughs) (laughs)
8: And, and what are galoshes, Gabriel? Galoshes? Julie, bless your heart. You don't know what galoshes are.
6: You wear them over your, uh, over your boots, isn't it, Margaret? Yes, over your boots. We both have a pair now. Well, Gabriel says everyone is wearing them in New York City. Oh. Oh, New York City. Well,
5: they're nothing particularly wonderful. Well, Margaret does seem to find it amusing. For some reason it makes her think of the minstrel shows of the grand.
8: But tell me, Gabriel, you've seen about the room, haven't you? It will be so late. Yes, yes, Aunt
5: Kate. It's all taken care of. I've got us a room at the Peabody. Of
8: course, by far the best thing to do. And the children, Margaret. Aren't you worried about them? Oh, not for one night. Bessie will look after them. What a blessing it must be to have a girl like that. One you can count on. There's that Lily. I'm sure I don't know what has come over her. She's not the same girl she used to be at all. Now, I... Now, I ask you, where's Julie going? Julie? Julie, where are you going? Here's Freddie. Freddy? Oh, Lord, Gabriel. Gabriel, slip down there and see if he's all right. And don't let him up if he's pickled. Oh, I just know he's pickled. I just know he is.
5: Of course, Aunt Kate. uh, Leave everything to me. Well, Freddy... Freddie Mayland, you old son of a
8: gun. Oh, Isn't it such a relief to have Gabriel around? I feel easy in my mind when he's here. He always says just
6: the right thing. He has a wonderful way with words, Aunt Kate. I do hope he's ready with his speech tonight. It's always the highlight of the party. Yeah. I'm sure it will be wonderful, Aunt Julie. Well, he's been working on it for days now, practicing in front of the mirror. Oh! Oh, Kate! Here's Miss Daly and Miss Power. I'm
7: sure they'd like some refreshment. You look so graceful out there on the dance floor. Miss Daly, you're a natural dancer.
11: Thank you, Julie. And hasn't this old pie-eater earned some refreshment as well, Miss Morgan? Kate, Kate... Here is Mr.
7: Brown. Please take him in with Miss Daly and Miss Power.
11: Oh, I'd be honored to take the ladies in myself, Miss Morgan. Come along, ladies. I'm the man for you. (laughs) Oh, you know, Miss Morgan, the reason they're so fond of me is because... Kate!
7: Never mind. Uh, Mr. Brown is taking in Miss Daly and Miss Power. Yes.
11: Well, ladies, if you'll <laughs> accompany me into the grand ballroom, I'll be happy to treat you to a few glasses of ladies' punch. <laughs> <laughs> no? Well, <laughs> lemonade it is, then. Meanwhile, I myself could use just the smallest nip of jack. God help me now, it's the doctor's orders.
8: Mary Jane! Mary Jane, don't you think it's time for some dancing?
12: Of course, Aunt Kate. Oh. Quadrilles oh. Quadrilles oh. Oh, everyone. Two, Two gentlemen yes, yes, yes. and three ladies
2: oh.
10: <laughs> 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 All I'm saying is I had never I had never thought In a million years I would see a man get Well, you know, tomahawked oh. And this uh, this uh, creeping bear, I think he was called. He's Why, Julie? What's bear. the matter? Who is it? It's just
7: Freddie, Kate, and Gabriel with him. Hello, Freddie.
10: And a heartfelt good evening to you, Miss Morgan.
8: He's not so bad, is he?
5: Oh no, hardly noticeable.
8: But isn't he awful? And after his poor mother made him take the pledge for the holiday.
5: Right this way, Freddie. Oh, Careful right. now. I'm it coming. sounds like we're just in
11: time for a dance. Oh, well, bless my soul if he didn't, Mr. Freddie Malins. Ragged out to beat the band.
7: Oh, Mr. Brown, I thought you'd gone in with Miss Daly and Miss Power.
11: Well, you know how ladies are, Miss Morgan, with their dance cards all filled up as soon as the evening starts. Why you'd have to arrive two hours early just to stake a claim. <laughs> Isn't that right, Freddie? Hello, Brown. Freddie, my boy. Are you tight already? I'll be damned. Ha <laughs> ha! Now then, come on inside and let's get you a glass of something that'll buck you up. Mr. Brown. Oh, lemonade, of course. Just a nice cold glass of lemonade. Uh, Come on inside, Freddy. What was it I heard you saying
10: about old Creeping Bad? I was there, Brown. I was there when Millard got it. Just whacked in the head, you know. Skull popped clean in (laughs) two. I was on that. Oh, Gabriel, let's go
6: in, too. I could use a bite of something.
5: All right, then, Margaret, uh, after you.
12: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. What lovely dancing. Next, we shall have a waltz. Pair up, please. Pair up.
5: Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Margaret. Oh, Margaret, wait. I'm very sorry. Please oh, pardon me. I...
1: Well, Mr. Conroy, if you haven't any other partner at the moment, I hope you wouldn't object to dancing with me. Uh,
5: why, why, of course not, Miss Ivers. I, I've been... Be delighted.
1: Good. I have a bone to pick with you.
12: Is everybody ready? Yes. Oh, yes. One, two, three. Here we go. What?
5: What was that you said, Mary?
1: I said I have a bone to pick with you. With me? That's right. Oh,
5: is it? Is it something at the school? Uh, I really understand our, our friend, the headmaster, is making some fairly significant changes, but they're, they're nothing to do with me. I... It
1: isn't about the school. Who is G.C.?
5: Oh, I...
1: Uh... Oh, my. But you look frightened, Mr. Conroy. Your expression gives you away completely. Now, I have discovered that you write for the new cemetery, Mr. Conroy. Now... Aren't you ashamed of yourself?
5: And why should I be ashamed of myself?
1: Well, I'm ashamed of you, To think you'd write for a progressivist rag like that. I hadn't pegged you for a scallywag, Mr. Conroy. You who are in charge of so many young minds.
5: Uh, Miss Ivers, it is true that I write a literary column every Wednesday for the new cimeter, but it only concerns literature and has nothing whatever to do with politics. Uh, Surely that alone does not make me a scalawag. Uh, Surely that... Of
1: course, Mr. Conroy. (laughs) I was only joking with you. Oh, come, we turn now. Oh, Mr. Conroy, will you travel with us on an excursion to the Gulf this summer? Biloxi, Gulfport, New Orleans. We'll be gone for a whole month. It'll be splendid swimming. The water gets so warm down there, you know. You really ought to come. Mr. Baker's coming, and Mr. Hartford, and Elizabeth Wells. It would be splendid for Margaret, too. She's from Louisiana, I believe, isn't she?
5: Her her people are.
1: You see there, it couldn't be more perfect. So you'll come.
5: Well, you, you see, Miss Ivers, as much as I appreciate the invitation, the fact is, the fact is, I have... Already arranged to go. Go where? Well, you know, every year I, I go for a-, a cycling tour with some gentlemen, and so.
1: But where?
5: Well, usually we go to uh, Massachusetts or. or mount or perhaps new hampshire
1: and why do you go to massachusetts and vermont instead of visiting your own land
5: well it's it's partly to 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 keep in touch with other cultures and and, partly for a change and
1: haven't you your own culture to keep in touch with here in the south
5: well and
1: haven't you your own land to visit that you know nothing of your own people
5: to tell you the truth i'm sick of the south sick of it
1: Why? Mr. Conroy, why are you sick of the South? <laughs> of course, you've no answer.
6: Scallywag. Gabriel? Oh, Gabriel!
5: If you will pardon me, Miss Ivers, my wife is calling to me. Oh, of course. Coming, Margaret. What is it, dear?
6: Gabriel, Aunt Kate wants to know if you'll carve the turkey, like always. Miss Daly will carve the ham, and I'll help with the pies. All right, dear. After that, they're hoping you'll do your speech. Will you be ready?
5: Yes, yes, I'll be ready. Were you dancing?
6: Well, of course I was. Didn't you see me? What words did you have with Mary Ivers?
5: No words. Uh, Why?
6: Oh, never mind. I'm trying to get Mr. Crandall to sing. He's too proud, I think. But I'm trying. There were
5: no words. Only only she wanted me to go on a trip to the Gulf this summer, and I, I said I wouldn't.
6: Oh, let's go, Gabriel. I'd love to see New Orleans again.
5: You can go if you like.
6: Well, there's a nice husband for you. I only met... Ladies and
5: gentlemen. Oh
6: Lord, is that Mr. Brown again? Oh, ladies
11: and gentlemen. Every year we gather here at the home of the three Miss Morgans, Miss Kate, Miss Julie, and their lovely niece, Mary Jane. Oh. <clears throat> We've known these remarkable women for many years and we know how capably they teach our children the fine art of music. (laughs) Now, here tonight, you've all heard Mary Jane's glorious piano playing. But it's rare indeed that either of the other two ladies consents to put her talent on display. But as you know, it's the holidays, and at last, my Christmas wish has been granted. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you Miss Julie Morgan. <laughs>
10: Freddy. i was just saying i never heard you sing so good yes well. never i never heard your voice sound so pretty mm-hmm. as it is tonight now would you believe that now because it's god's honest truth upon my word it's the truth i, I never heard your voice sound so fresh and so so clear and so fresh never
7: Why, why, thank you, Freddie. What lovely compliments.
10: Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Julie Morgan, my
11: latest discovery. Oh, oh, (laughs) thank you.
10: Well, Brown, if you're serious, you could do a lot worse. All I'm saying is that I never heard her sing half so well as long as I've been coming here. And that's God's honest truth. Neither have I, Freddie. I think her voice has greatly
11: improved.
7: Oh, well, I suppose 30 years ago I hadn't
8: a bad voice, as voices go. I often told Julie that she was simply thrown away in that church choir, but she never would pay me any mind. No, she wouldn't pay any mind to anyone, slaving there in that choir night and day, night and day, six o'clock on Christmas morning, and all for what, Julie? Well... Isn't it for the glory of God, Aunt Kate? I know all about the glory of God, Mary Jane. But I think it's not at all glorious for a pastor to turn a woman out of the choir who has slaved there her whole life and put some little whipper snapper up in her place. <laughs> I suppose it is for the good of the church, if the pastor does it. But it is not just Mary Jane, and it is not right. Now, Aunt Kate, you're giving scandal to Mr. Brown, who is one of our most active deacons. Oh, I... I don't question the pastor's being right. I'm only a stupid old woman, and I wouldn't presume to do that. But there is such a thing as common, everyday politeness and gratitude. And if I were in Julie's place, I'd tell that Reverend is straight to his face. And besides,
12: Aunt Kate, we really are all hungry. And when we are hungry, we are all very quarrelsome. And
11: when we're thirsty, we're also quarrelsome. So,
12: we had better go to supper and finish the discussion afterwards.
2: Come on now.
6: just a few more minutes mary why don't you stay through supper oh
1: thank you margaret but i just can't what's
5: this Miss Ivers, you're you're not leaving, I hope.
1: I'm afraid so, Mr. Conroy. I'm not the least bit hungry, and to tell the truth, I've already overstayed my time. Oh,
6: ten more minutes, Mary. Now that won't hurt, will it? You need a bite or two after all that dancing. I really couldn't. I'm afraid you didn't enjoy yourself at all. I had a
1: wonderful time, Margaret, I promise. But now you really must excuse me.
6: But how will you get home? It's a right blizzard out there. Oh, I'm only a few blocks away. If...
5: uh, if you will allow me, Miss Ivers, I will see you home if you really are obliged to go.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I won't hear of it. <laughs> now, for goodness sakes, go on into your supper and quit making such a fuss over me. I'm quite able to take care of myself.
6: Well, you certainly are a pig-headed sort, aren't you, Mary? day o wind Good night. How strange... What do you make of it, Gabriel?
5: Hmm?
6: I said, what do you make of it?
5: Oh, well, you, you know Margaret. Mary has always been a bit of an odd duck. Even at the school, she's never been Where able to... Where is
8: Gabriel? Where on earth is Gabriel? There's everyone waiting in there and no one to carve uh, the
5: turkey. Here I am, Aunt Kate, <laughs> ready to carve a flock of turkeys oh. if necessary. You, and you, Miss Furlong, uh, what shall I send you? Some some leg meat or a, a slice of the breast? Just a small
1: slice of the breast, please. Uh,
5: uh, Miss Higgins, what for you?
1: Oh, anything at all, Mr.
5: Conrad. Uh, here we are. Now, if anyone would like a little more of what we country folk call... Stuff Let him speak now or forever hold his peace. <laughs>
11: <laughs> you have a seat and eat your own supper, Gabriel. <laughs> very well, very well.
5: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, kindly forget my existence for a few moments.
7: <laughs> now, what was that you were saying, Mr. Crandall?
5: Oh, I've completely forgotten.
7: About the opera company at the Lyceum? Oh,
4: yes, yes. They have the most amazing contralto there these days.
6: Oh, you mean that Deborah Walker... I saw her once, and her style was a bit vulgar for
4: my taste. Really, Miss Furlong? I'm surprised to hear you say that. I saw her last fall, and I think
10: Do you she... know, uh, Crandall, that uh, tall negro who sings in the Silas Green minstrel shows? He's the real thing, mind you. None of this burnt cork makeup. Not for him. No, sir. And would you believe he has one of the finest tenor voices I've ever heard? Silas Green from New Orleans. You are familiar with him, aren't you, Crandall? I'm afraid not. Because I'd be curious to hear your opinion of him. You see, I think he has an outstanding voice. It's just just beautiful, you know?
11: <laughs> it takes Freddy to find out the really good things.
10: <laughs> and why couldn't you have a good voice, too? Is it because he's only a colored... At uh, any
11: rate, I still remember the old days when there was something like real singing to be heard in this town. Back when I was a boy, the top gallery of the Blue Ruin used to be packed night after night. There's this one time I remember when an Italian soprano sang five encores of the Queen of the Night Aria and never missed a single note. And do you know the stagehands got so excited, they unyoked the horses from her carriage and pulled her through the streets themselves? Yeah, now it's just all vaudeville shows and minstrel acts. Why do they never play the grand old operas anymore, do you think? If you ask me,
4: it's because they can't find anybody to sing them. Oh, well, Mr. Brown, I presume there are as good singers today as there were back when. Then, uh, where are they, Crandall? In London, Paris, Milan. For example, I'd say Caruso is just as good, if not better, than anyone who came before him. Hmm, well,
11: that may be true. But I'll tell you, I seriously doubt it.
12: Oh, I'd give anything to hear Caruso sing. Wouldn't you, Aunt Kate? For
8: me. There was only one tenor. To please me, I mean. But uh, I don't suppose any of you have ever heard of him.
4: Who was he, Miss Morgan?
8: His name was Parkinson. I heard him when he was in his prime. And I think he had the purest, most angelic voice that was ever put into a man's throat.
4: Strange. Strange. The name doesn't ring a
11: bell. Mm. Yes, yes, Miss Morgan's absolutely right. I remember hearing something about old Parkinson. It's too far back for me, though.
8: A beautiful, pure, sweet, mellow, southern tenor. Margaret? Mm? Margaret, dear, shall shall we bring out the pies? Oh, you stay here, Kate. I'll get them. Oh, Miss Higgins, do you mind helping me? Oh, Uh, certainly. I'm worried I didn't get the crust quite brown enough. I'm
4: sure they'll be delicious, Miss Morgan.
11: And anyway, Miss Morgan, I should hope I'm brown enough for you because, you know, I'm all brown. (laughs) Here we are.
6: Miss um, Higgins, if you'll put yours down at the other end of the table. Gabriel, we
7: have some celery for you, since I know you never eat sweets. Oh,
5: very thoughtful of you, Aunt Julie. Uh,
10: celery for me, too, please. It's good for the blood, you know. I'm, mm. I'm trying to be careful. I'm under the doctor's care just now. In fact, I'm headed to Subiaco in a week or so for a nice, long rest.
12: Oh, Subiaco. The air is so clean over there, so fresh. And the monks are so hospitable. Do you know, Mr. Brown, that they never ask for any money from their guests? What?
11: You mean to tell me that a fella can go over there to the abbey, put up as if it were a hotel, and live off the fat of the land, and then just come away without paying a cent?
8: Well... Of course, most people give some donation to the monastery when they leave.
11: Mm, I wish we had an institution like that in our church.
8: <laughs> the monks never
12: speak, you know. They get up at two o'clock every morning and they spend every night in their coffins.
11: In their coffins? What in blazes for?
7: That's the rule of the order.
11: Yes, but wh- why?
7: Well, it's the rule.
10: That's all. You see, Brown, the monks are trying to make up for the sins committed by all the sinners in the outside
11: world. Well, as a sinner myself... I must say I support the efforts. But wouldn't those old monks be more comfortable in a spring bed than in a coffin?
12: The coffin is to remind them of their last
10: end.
11: I don't know that I could stand so much reminded.
10: They're good men, the monks. Very (laughs) pious. Very good men. Yes,
12: they
5: are. Yes, they are. are. Ladies Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, it has fallen to me this evening, as in years past, to perform a very pleasing task, but a task for which I'm afraid my poor powers as speaker are sadly inadequate.
9: No, no!
5: But however that may be, I can only ask you tonight to take the will for the deed and to lend me your attention for a few moments while I endeavor to express to you in words what my feelings are on this occasion. Ladies and gentlemen... It is not the first time we have gathered together under this hospitable roof, around this hospitable board. It is not the first time that we have been the recipients, or perhaps I had better say, the victims, of the hospitality of certain good ladies. I feel more strongly with every passing year that the South has no tradition which does it more honor, and which it should guard more jealously than that of its hospitality. It is a tradition that is unique, as far as my experience goes, and I have visited more than a few places abroad among the modern nations. Some would say, perhaps, that with us it is rather a failing than anything to be boasted of. But granted even that, it is, to my mind, a princely failing, and one that I trust will long be cultivated among us. Of one thing, at least, I am sure. As long as this one roof shelters the good ladies aforesaid, and I wish from my heart it may do so for many and many a long year to come, the tradition of genuine, warm-hearted, courteous southern hospitality, which our forefathers have handed down to us, and which we, in turn, must hand down to our descendants, is still alive among us. Ladies and gentlemen, a new generation is growing up in our midst, a generation actuated by new ideas and new principles. It is serious and enthusiastic for these new ideas, and its enthusiasm, even when it is misdirected, is, I believe, in the main sincere. But we are living in a skeptical, and if I may use the phrase, a thought-tormented age... And sometimes I fear that this new generation, educated or hyper-educated as it is, will lack those qualities of humanity, of hospitality, of kindly humor which belonged to an older day. Listening tonight to the stories of all those great singers of the past, it seemed to me, I must confess, that we are living in a less spacious age. Those days might, without exaggeration, be called spacious days. And if they are gone beyond recall, let us hope at least that in gatherings such as this we shall still speak of them with pride and affection, still cherish in our hearts the memory of those dead and gone great ones whose fame the world will not willingly let die. But yes, there are always in gatherings such as this sadder thoughts that will recur to our minds, thoughts of the past, of youth, of changes, of absent faces that we miss here tonight. Our path through life is strewn with many such sad memories, and were we to brood upon them always, we could not find the heart to go on bravely with our work among the living. We have, all of us, living duties, and living affections which claim, and rightly claim, our strenuous endeavors. Therefore, I will not linger on the past. I will not let any gloomy moralizing intrude upon us here tonight. Here we are gathered together for a brief moment from the bustle and rush of our everyday routine. We are met here as friends, in the spirit of good fellowship, as colleagues— Also, to a certain extent, in the true spirit of camaraderie and as guests of, what shall I call them, the Three Graces of the Memphis musical world.
9: What did he say? What did he say? He
12: says we are the Three Graces, Aunt Julie. Oh,
7: well, how lovely. Ladies
5: and gentlemen... I will not attempt to play tonight the part that Paris played on another occasion. I will not attempt to choose between them. The task would be an invidious one, and one beyond my poor powers. For when I view them in turn, whether it be our chief hostess herself, my Aunt Kate, whose good heart, whose too good heart, has become a byword for all who know her, or her sister, my dear Aunt Julie, who seems to be gifted with perennial youth, and whose singing must have been a surprise and a revelation to us all tonight. Or, last but not least, when I consider our youngest hostess, my dear cousin Mary Jane, talented, cheerful, hard working, and the best of nieces. <laughs> I confess, ladies and gentlemen, that I do not know to which of them I should award the prize. And so let us toast them all three together. Let us drink to their health, wealth, long life, happiness, and prosperity— and may they long continue to hold the proud and self-won position which they hold in their profession and the position of honor and affection which they hold in our hearts.
9: Hear, 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 For they are jolly
5: good fellows, for they are jolly good fellows, for they are jolly
13: good fellows, which nobody can deny unless he tells... Unless he tells a lie For they are jolly good fellows For they are jolly good fellows For they are jolly good fellows
8: the door, somebody. Oh, we will all catch our death of cold. Mr. Brown is out there, Aunt Kate. Mr. Brown is everywhere.
12: (laughs) really now, Aunt Kate? He is
8: very attentive. He has been spread around here like the fever all during Christmas. Oh, but tell him to come in, Mary Jane, and close the door. Oh, I hope to goodness he didn't hear me.
12: Mr. Brown... Mr. Brown, Aunt Kate asked whether you won't come back inside.
11: <laughs> Fr- freddie will have all the hacks in Memphis out. Look at the old boy out
5: there in the snow. Aunt Julie, is, is Margaret not down yet?
7: She's getting on her things, Gabriel. <sighs>
5: who's, Who's playing up there?
7: Nobody.
12: They're all gone. Oh, no, Aunt Julie. Mr. Crandall is still up there.
5: Someone is fooling at the piano, anyhow.
12: Oh, it makes me feel cold to look at you two gentlemen all bundled up like that. I don't envy you your journey home at this hour.
11: Cold? (laughs) Well, I'd like nothing better right this minute than a long, slow walk in the country. Or a speedy cab ride with a good strong Cleveland Bay between the shafts. (laughs) We used to have a very good
12: horse and trap back home. (laughs) The never-to-be-forgotten Johnny.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what was so wonderful about Johnny? Well, the the late, lamented Andrew Morgan, my, my grandfather, commonly known in his later years as the old gentleman, was a glue boiler.
8: Oh, now, Gabriel, he had a starch mill.
5: Well, glue or starch. uh, The old gentleman had a horse by the name of Johnny. And Johnny used to work in the old gentleman's mill, walking round and round in order to drive the mill. That was all very well, but... Now comes the tragic part about Johnny. Oh, no. <laughs> so one fine day, the old gentleman thought he'd like to drive out with the rest of the knobs to a military exercise in Forest Park. The
8: Lord have mercy on his soul. <laughs> Amen.
5: So the old gentleman, as I said, harnessed Johnny and put on his very best tall hat and his very best stock collar and drove out in grand style from his ancestral mansion. Somewhere near the pinch, I think.
8: Oh, <laughs> Oh, now, Gabriel, he didn't live in the pinch over the mill was
5: there. Out from the mansion of his forefathers, the old gentleman drove with Johnny, and everything went on beautifully until Johnny came in sight of General Forrest's statue.
2: (laughs) And whether he fell in love
5: with a horse that the general sits on, or whether he thought he was back again in the mill, anyhow, he began to walk. Around the statue (laughs) (laughs) Round and round he went And the old gentleman Who was a very pompous old gentleman Was highly indignant Go on, sir What do you mean by this, sir Johnny Johnny, most extraordinary conduct Can't understand the horse (laughs) Ha, ha
10: I could only get one cab.
5: <laughs> oh, uh, Margaret and I will find another along the way. Yes,
10: yes. Better not keep poor Freddie
8: there standing in the draft. Good night, Freddie. Good, Good, Good night, Mr. Brown.
11: Good night, ladies. I had a wonderful time.
12: Well, isn't Freddie terrible? Oh. He really is terrible, isn't he?
5: Well, Aunt Kate, Aunt Julie, Mary Jane, I'll, I'll just round up Margaret, and then we'll be on our way as well. I wonder what's become of her.
7: There she is, Gabriel, at the top of the stairs there.
5: Oh, why, so she is. Margaret, we... Margaret. In our
13: dream. It's Mr. Crandall singing, and he wouldn't sing all the night. His soul should pass away, and he faintly whispered, Parson, as he clutched him by the hand, Oh Parson, tell me quickly, will my soul pass through the Southland? Will my soul pass through the Southland, through the old Virginia Grand? Will I see the hills of joy Pity.
12: Was he coming down, Margaret? Yes. Oh, Mr. Crandall. It's downright mean of you to break off like that when we were all in such raptures (laughs)
7: listening to you. I've been after him all evening, and Margaret, too.
8: He told us he had a terrible cold and couldn't sing. Oh, Mr. Crandall, now that was a fib, wasn't it? Would you tell such an awful feel?
4: Can't you tell him as hoarse as a crow?
8: It's the weather. Yes. Everybody has colds right now. Everybody. They
12: say we haven't had snow like it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I read this morning in the papers mm-hmm. that the snow is general all over the oh. South. <laughs>
8: I just love the look of snow. So do I. I think Christmas is never really Christmas unless we have snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. But poor Mr. Crandall doesn't like the snow.
4: Well, it's nothing really, just a slight cold.
8: At any rate, it is a great pity I do so love to hear you sing. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Now, you must be very careful with your throat in the night
7: Mm -hmm. air. Mr.
4: Crandall.
6: What is the name of that song you were singing?
4: Oh, it's called The Rebel Soldier, but I couldn't remember it properly. Why, do you know it?
6: The Rebel Soldier. I couldn't think of the name.
12: It's a very nice air, I'm sorry you were not in voice tonight. Now, Mary Jane, don't
8: annoy Mr. Crandall. I won't have him annoyed.
12: Oh,
4: no, it, it really is nothing. Well, uh, thank you again. Oh. Good night, all. Good,
5: good night,
9: night, Mr. Crandall. Mr.
5: Crandall. Good night. Uh, we, we should be going, too, I, I suppose. Uh, good night, Aunt Kate, and thanks for a lovely evening.
8: Good night, Gabriel. Good night, Margaret. Oh, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. All safe.
5: Tired, my dear. Yes. Well well, we will be at the hotel soon, and then we can rest. Margaret?
6: Yes, Gabriel.
5: You looked quite beautiful tonight, Margaret. Standing up on the stairs there, listening to Mr. Crandall. I thought you looked quite quite mysterious. And quite beautiful.
6: Thank you, Gabriel.
5: Margaret, do you remember the glassmaker we saw at that factory in the country? The one making bottles in a furnace?
6: Yes, Gabriel.
5: Interesting, wasn't it? The way he heated the glass, shaped it. The furnace was blazingly hot. (laughs) I don't know why I thought of it. (laughs) Here we are, sir. Ah, Thank you again, my good man, and here you
10: are. Well, thank you, sir, and a prosperous new year to you, sir. And to (laughs) you.
5: Come along, my darling. Just a few more minutes now, a few more minutes, and we will be alone.
4: Home, sir, excellent. Thank you, Porter. And at what time would you like me to call you in the morning, sir? Oh, uh, eight o'clock, please. Okay, the electric light is here on this wall, sir. I'm sorry, it's not yes, a pro-
5: yes, fine. Okay. Uh, we don't want any light. Oh. There's enough coming in from the street. Uh, you might take away that candle, too. Yes, uh, thank you. Oh, and here you are oh. for your troubles. Thank you, sir. Good night, sir, miss. Margaret?
6: Yes, Gabriel.
5: You... look tired.
6: I am. A little.
5: You, you don't feel ill, I hope.
6: No. Just tired.
5: No, good. Uh, by the way, uh, Margaret... What is it? Uh, you know that, that poor heel, Freddie Malins?
6: Yes. What about him?
5: Uh, well, poor heel, I, he, he's a decent sort after all, uh, Tonight he gave me back that dollar I lent him. I didn't really expect it. It's too bad he wouldn't keep away from that Mr. Brown because he's he's really not a bad fellow at heart.
6: When did you lend him the dollar?
5: Oh, uh, a few weeks ago when I when I saw him in that little Christmas card shop on on Main Street.
6: You are a very generous person, Gabriel.
5: Margaret, Margaret dear, um what are you thinking about? Uh, tell me what it is, Margaret. I think I know what's on your mind. Do I know?
6: Oh, I'm thinking about that song The Rebel Soldier.
5: What? What about the song? I mean, Why does that make you cry? Why, Margaret?
6: I'm thinking about a person long ago who used to sing that song.
5: And who was the person long ago?
6: It was a person I used to know in New Orleans when I was living there with my grandmother.
5: Someone you were in love with?
6: It was a young boy I used to know named Michael Fury. He used to sing that song, The Rebel Soldier. He was very delicate. Oh, I can see him so plainly. Such beautiful eyes he had. Big dark eyes. And such an expression in them. Such an expression.
5: Oh, then you were in love with him.
6: I used to go out walking with him. Is that so? And I
5: suppose that was why you wanted to go back to New Orleans with that Ivers woman? What
6: for? How
5: do I know? To see him, perhaps?
6: He's dead. He died when he was only 17. Isn't it a terrible thing? to die as young as that.
5: What What was he?
6: He was in the gas works.
5: I suppose you were in love with this Michael Fury, Margaret.
6: I was very close with him at the time.
5: And what did he die of so young? Consumption, was it?
6: I think... I think he died for me. It was in the winter, the beginning of the winter, when I was going to leave my grandmothers and come up here to Memphis. He was sick at the time and and wouldn't be let out. His people in Lake Charles were written to. He was in decline, they said, or, or something like that. I never rightly knew. Oh, poor boy. He was such a gentle soul and so very fond of me. We used to go out together walking. You know Gabriel, like they do in the country. He was going to study singing. But for his health, he had a very good voice. Poor Michael Fury.
5: Well, and then...
6: And then when it came time for me to leave New Orleans, he was much worse, and his family wouldn't let me in to see him. So I, I wrote him a letter saying I was going up to Memphis and would be back in the summer, and I hoped he would be better then. The night before I left, I was in my grandmother's house packing my things, and I, I heard gravel being thrown against the window. The window was so wet I I couldn't see out, so I ran downstairs as I was and slipped out into the back garden. And there was poor Michael Fury at the end of the garden, shivering.
5: And surely you, you told him to go back.
6: I begged him to go home right away. I told him he would catch his death in the rain. But he said... He said he didn't want to live... If I was leaving, I can still see his eyes. He was standing at the end of the wall under a big willow tree.
5: And did he go home?
6: Yes, eventually he went home. And When I was only a week here in Memphis, he died. And he was buried in Lake Charles where his people came from. Oh, the day, the day I heard that, that he was dead.
5: (gasps) 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 All right, right, Margaret. Uh, It's all right. It's
2: all right.
5: It's all right. Margaret, darling, are you asleep? So, so you have had that romance in your life. A man died for your sake. I was, I was jealous, Margaret, I admit it. But it hardly pains me now to think of how poor a part I your husband have played in your life looking at you now asleep so innocently I feel as though I feel as though you and I have never even lived together as husband and wife God what you must have been then in that time of your first girlish beauty "'Of course you are still beautiful, Margaret. "'But I am thinking of the face for which Michael Fury braved death. "'Perhaps you have not told me all the story. "'Margaret, I am ashamed at my riot of emotions an hour ago. "'From what did it proceed? "'From Aunt Julie and Aunt Kate's supper?' (laughs) From my own foolish speech, from the wine and the dancing, the the, the laughter, the pleasure of seeing the city in the snow, poor Aunt Julie, she too, will soon be a shade, along with the shades of Andrew Morgan and his horse. I caught that haggard look upon her face for a moment when she was singing. Soon, perhaps, I will be sitting in that same drawing room, dressed in black, my silk hat on my knees. The blinds will be drawn down, and Aunt Kate will be sitting beside me, crying and and blowing her nose, and telling me how Julie died. And, as always... I will cast about in my mind for some words that might console her and will find only lame and useless ones. Yes. Yes, that will happen very soon. One by one, we are all becoming shades. Better to pass boldly into that other world... In the full glory of some passion than to fade and wither dismally with age. And to think, dear Margaret, you have had locked in your heart for so many years that image. The image of your lover's eyes when he told you that he did not want to live Margaret, I myself have never felt like that towards any woman, but I know that such a feeling must be love. I can I can almost see him there in the darkness, yes, the form of a young man standing under a dripping tree. Other forms are near as well. And it's as though I can feel myself fading into some gray, impalpable world. The solid world which these dead had one time reared and lived in. I can feel it dissolving, dwindling. It, it has begun to snow again. Look at the flakes. Look at them. Silver and dark. Falling against the lamplight. The time has come for me to set out on my journey. Yes, the newspapers are right. The snow is general all over the Southland. It falls on every part of the Delta. On the treeless hills... Falling softly upon the smoky mountains, and softly falling into the dark waters of the Mississippi. It falls, too, upon every part of the lonely churchyard, somewhere in Lake Charles, where Michael Fury lies buried. It lies thickly drifted on the crooked crosses and headstones. On the spears of the little gate, on the barren thorns, I can hear it, the snow, faintly falling through the universe, and falling faintly, like the descent of our last end, upon all the living and the dead.
3: You've been listening to Chatterbox Audio Theaters production of Dead and Gone, a southern retelling of James Joyce's The Dead, featuring Randall Cooper as Gabriel, Bonnie Corvellis as Margaret, Jolyn Palmer as Aunt Kate, Jane Harris as Aunt Julie, Julie Reinbold as Mary Jane, Stephen Burke as Freddie, Jim Palmer as Mr. Brown Teresa Morrow as Miss Ivers Tony Walsh as Crandall and Marlene Henderson as Lily Music by Catherine Whitfield He's Gone Away performed by Ann Sharp Digital Piano generously loaned by Memphis Music Yamaha Piano Sound Effects by Bill Short Assistant produced by James Antoine Produced by Eric Sefton, assistant directed by Karen Strawn, adapted and directed by Robert Arnold. This is your announcer, Tom Badgett. Chatterbox Audio Theatre is a nonprofit, web-based community theater that advances the exchange of ideas by channeling creativity and artistic collaboration into recorded audio works that enlighten entertain, and inspire. Download all of our shows free at www.chatterboxtheater.org.
0: The National Safety Council warns Americans that the most common accidents occur within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to check the mail. <laughs> yes, it's the time you think you're the safest, that you're in the most danger, within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to get the paper. Ah! Safety Council advises that you use extreme caution whenever you are within twenty feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm gonna let the cat out. (laughs) To be completely safe, never come within twenty feet of your own front door. Honey, pass the catch up, will you? Pass what? The catch up! Okay, here it comes. (laughs) Tomorrow, we'll discuss the threat of killer condiments. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Are you bleeding? I can't tell. This is the Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.